Thank you so much, Darcy and Ryan. Hard act to follow, but what an incredible word. Who is this God, the creator of the universe, and yet can be so personal as to say to each and every one of us that nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from God's love? That's just an amazing way for us to start as we uh, consider our theme today, which is invitation to love. So, during these four weeks of starting off the year, or the fall, I should say, our series is called Invitation, and Pastor Bruce started us off last week with Invitation to Community, and uh, today we're going to be talking about an invitation to love, and this amazing love that we just saw modeled up here. Now, this invitation to love is a part of what we call in our church our discipleship steps, and this one is, is often called, How Do We Experience and model Jesus' love, and that being a key step in discipleship. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, wouldn't it be great for someone to preach a great sermon on how we can better model Jesus' love? Well, sorry, that won't be today. That would be a good one. But I'm going to focus a little bit more today on the experience side. So what do you think about experience, or what some might call feelings? Does experience have a place in understanding Jesus' love and walking out Jesus' love. I would suggest today that we can't really model Jesus' love if we haven't first experienced it. I would suggest that it's really hard to model Jesus' love if we're not continually experiencing it. And so that sounds great to say, but the big question is how? Now, it's often difficult to talk about the subject of love for this reason. Well, number one, for those of you brought up in church or who have been followers of Jesus most of your life, it's like yawn, typical, another churchy message on love. We know all about that already. You can go to sleep for the next 10 minutes here. However, I think we have to remember that for most of our culture, the idea of a loving God and especially the idea of Christians being thought of as being loving people is actually confusing and really contradictory to them. And I think we need to, we need to understand that. And that's what makes this, this topic really difficult to talk about. Um, one writer by the name of uh, Alicia Brugsvert said this, the shape of true love isn't a diamond, it's a cross. And that again demonstrates the uniqueness and the difficulty within our culture to talk about a subject that can be so loaded in so many different directions. So now back to the main question. How do we experience Jesus' love? Now years ago, when I was a young kid, there was a little yellow booklet that we all were trained in as Christians in order to share our faith. Some of you might know what little, that little yellow book was, if you can remember it. It was called The Four Spiritual Laws might surprise some of you, but The Four Spiritual Laws was written by a church leader by the name of Bill Bright, who started Campus Crusade for Christ and went on to be Power to Change. He wrote that little booklet in 1956. And yet through the 70s and 80s, if you grew up in the church, that would have been a main training tool for how we share our faith. Now, at the very end of this little Four Spiritual Laws booklet, there was always a little image that really got to me. And it was the image of this little train. And I think you're going to see it on the screen here. Oh, yeah, there it is. So on this wonderful little train, 
you can see that the engine is fact, followed by faith, and followed by feeling. And the feelings are the caboose, and there's no cabooses on trains anymore, so for some of you are going, what's a caboose? But they're used, they used to be at the end. And Anyway, the whole idea of this little image was to say, faith in Jesus, or believing in Jesus, is all about fact and faith, and don't worry about the feelings. Feelings are fickle, they come and go. We don't base our faith on feeling. It's about fact and it's about faith. Now, I would say that this is true, that's correct, that was good teaching, but here's how it affected me. As a, as a young man, I kind of grew up thinking that, you know, feelings must be not that good. Like, I had a negative perspective of feelings. And, and when I thought of Christian people, I would think, oh yeah, the experiential feeling people, those are those wacky charismatics and, you know, we're true Bible thumping, whatever we are. So, you know what, like feelings don't matter. It's all about fact and faith. And that, that really um, was a big part of my life for a long time. Part of the problem with that was that my faith became so much head knowledge and so much like Bible thumping type knowledge, again, good, but I missed out on some of the incredible experience of knowing and seeking the love of Jesus and having that blast me and impact my life. And as I began to be more humble to that idea that Jesus actually wants us to experience his love, and yes, feelings aren't bad, they can be a part of that journey. It was, uh, it was incredible for me, and I know probably many of you can, can talk about this as well. Apparently, C.S. Lewis said this, though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. And that is the foundation. But again, what role do feelings have? How do we experience the love of God, the love of Jesus? Now, I don't have any kind of secret formula for you today. You know, like, do this, do this, sprinkle, add, stir, and you will experience Jesus' love. I have no ability to give you a formula. But what I can do, I hope, in these next few minutes, is inspire you and point you a little bit to how we can experience Jesus' love. And let me just remind us that all through Scripture from the very beginning of Revelation till now, God's heart is always, if you seek me, you will find me. If in our heart's desire and our life desire is we want to know and experience the love of Jesus, I don't believe that he would want to hold that back from us, but that it would be his desire in his heart to pour it out on us. We just need humble and open hearts and being willing to seek him. So, I invite us on that journey and the invitation to love. So, I would suggest that experiencing Jesus' love um, includes a truth encounter, it includes a gratitude encounter, and it includes a personal encounter. So, let's look at the scriptures to see some of this. So, we begin with, with knowing and experiencing Jesus' love starts with a truth encounter. And, you know, Jesus himself expressed his love for us. And it, you can read about it in many places, but let's look at John chapter 15. If you want to follow along, it'll be on the screen, or you can look it up. John chapter 15, beginning at verse 9. This is the words of Jesus. As the Father has loved me, so, I, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. 
I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. And there are many, many scriptures where Jesus himself declares his love for us, his creation, his people. So Jesus declares the the truth of his love and many other scriptures as well. I want to now turn to 1 John chapter 4 and listen to these words. 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Again, incredible words in scripture that just state so clearly how much God loves us. And the whole idea of both of these texts is is that when we embrace and experience the love of Jesus, the natural outwork as well as the command outwork of that is to love one another. That's why Jesus said that, you know, he said, my followers will be known by how they love each other. Isn't that incredible? And yet, isn't it so sad when we see how much infighting there can be in the church among Christians, when our culture so often sees us as angry haters rather than people of love? Remember, Jesus called us to be the people who modeled love. But you know what? We can't just muster that up or or just try to do it because it's right. It has to come from understanding and experiencing that love. But it does begin with a truth encounter of looking at Jesus, his words, and the words of Scripture, and knowing that the truth from God's heart is, no matter how much we as humanity have messed it up, still the truth of God and his word is how much he loves every one of us, every person, every bit of his creation. So experiencing the love of Jesus is a truth encounter, but I'd also suggest to you that it's a gratitude encounter. Let's look at Romans Another book in the New Testament, Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 6, says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, some translations say weak, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love this verse. God didn't wait for us to clean up our act or get things right or figure it out before he said, now I'll love you. This scripture states that while we were still weak and powerless, while we were still in a place of brokenness and sin, God loved us. Jesus came and died for us. That's what scripture says. And 
when it comes out of that understanding of what Jesus did to love us, our response, an experiential response, is gratitude. Now, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, let me ask you this. When's the last time you marveled over where would my life be if I hadn't experienced the love of Jesus, if Jesus hasn't, hadn't transformed my life? Have you thought about that lately? Isn't it so easy when we've walked with Jesus for so long to just take his love for granted? And yet I think many of us know people who have such a gratitude because what God has saved them from, what God has rescued them from, that they just continue to be in awe and in love with Jesus. And, and all of that to say, wow, he's forgiven me, he's restored me. I want to tell you a quick story about a, a good friend of mine. This friend of mine became a follower of Jesus. His journey started by going to AA. And at AA, he met a sponsor who invited him to church and, and shared the gospel with them. And my friend became an on-fire committed Christian. And Jesus freed him. And it's so incredible to, to watch his life. Now, um, he went to this little church that didn't have a building, and so they baptized in, um, in a hot tub. And I remember our family had the privilege of getting to go to this baptism. And my friend was just so excited about the fact that even though he had been through so much brokenness and crap in his life, that this God, this Jesus that he followed now, would forgive him and restore him. And that was just such a key part of his testimony. Now, as he was meeting with his pastor to prepare for um, the baptism, um, there was kind of a little joke between them. Because my friend was so aware of just all of his past sin and wondered how this all worked, the pastor teased him a little bit and just said, well, you know, how we do baptisms is the more sin there is in your life, the longer we hold you under. Okay, if anyone's misunderstanding that, he was totally kidding. It was a joke. Well, here's the funny part. At his baptism... Just before my, fr my friend gets in the tank, and then he pulls out from behind a mask and a snorkel. <laughs> and all of us who knew the story just died laughing. But I love telling that story because of the gratitude. That incredible gratitude. And you know, Jesus encountered many people, and you can read about them in the Gospels, that thought, Jesus will reject me because I'm just a way too sinful. I'm just a way too broken. My life is a way too messy. All the religious people have rejected me and called me a sinner and a hopeless cause. There's no way Jesus will love me and accept me. And yet over and over again, there's stories of Jesus doing that. Those are some of the best stories in the Gospels. And you know, one of these stories is about an unnamed woman. And this woman came to Jesus is in Luke chapter 7. And she took very expensive perfume and poured it over her feet and then the scripture says that her tears and the perfume washed Jesus' feet. And it was a very intimate act of gratitude because he had loved her and forgiven her for many sins. Now, the religious leaders, of course, were all sitting in judgment of Jesus and going, how could you let such a sinful woman touch you? And I just can't imagine how Jesus dealt with that attitude, but that was their attitude. And so Jesus said these famous words in Luke chapter 7, verse 47. And he's saying this to the religious people who were judging the situation. He said, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Let that pierce your heart. If you've been a, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, and like me, I have been too since a very young child, do I let an attitude of pride 
or an attitude of just taking the incredible love of Jesus so for granted, so thinking that I've been spared of of what some people might call deep sin and brokenness. And if I have so much pride as to not think that my sin is just as grievous and yet my forgiveness is just as amazing and awesome and wonderful, I got to heed Jesus' words when he says, wow, whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Let that not be. Let's remember that we're all forgiven much, and so let's love much. That's the Jesus who loves us and the one who wants us to know his love for us. Now, one more story before I'm done. And this is found in Mark chapter 10. And here's a very different people, person, type of person coming to Jesus. So Mark chapter 10, verse 17 says this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Wow. Every time I read that, I think there should be lightning. (laughs) I can't imagine sitting in front of Jesus and saying, Jesus, I've followed you faithfully all the time. Wow. I'm not sure he quite meant it in that extreme, but it feels that way to me. Now notice the very next verse, verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Now, the rest of what Jesus says to him is another whole sermon, so I won't go there. Because Jesus had to deal with the heart of this man. But here's what I want us to consider today. I don't know what your journey is. Maybe you have a journey where, wow, If I can know a God who could love me and forgive me for everything that's happened in my past, for all of the brokenness in my life, if there's really a God that can love me and forgive me and restore me, wow, do you want that God? That's Jesus. That's who Jesus revealed himself to be. I hope if that's you today, you will see Jesus looking at you, looking at you and loving you. And you know, for many of us here today who have walked with Jesus for a long time, perhaps some of us have slipped into some of this complacent pride and we think we're fine. We're content to just live with the doubts and the fears and the lukewarmness of our lives. You know what? I don't want to declare any kind of word of judgment or guilt on any of you today. You know what I want you to hear today? I want you to picture Jesus looking at you and loving you even in that type of sin and brokenness like mine, Jesus looks at you and loves you. Let's embrace the truth and the gratitude and the personal encounter of knowing a Jesus who looks at us and loves us. The famous and very early church father, St. Augustine, said this, God loves each of us as if there is only one of us.
experience and model the love of Jesus. He wants to pour it out over you. He's looking at you today. Let's pray together. Worship team, would you come? We're going to respond with the song. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that the reality of your love would just pour out over your people today. Oh, Spirit of God, I invite you to just pour out in power in this moment. Lord, I can't convince anyone to want to experience your love. But Lord, I know you, Holy Spirit, can speak to hearts. You, Holy Spirit, can soften, soften hearts. You, Holy Spirit, can open up minds. So Holy Spirit, would you move in our lives? Would you move in our minds? Would you move in our hearts? And oh, Lord Jesus, would you declare your love to your people today? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.